and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about dominatrix Barbie so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read How to Be a Boss Bitch by Christine Quinn. Joining us to discuss this reality television self-help book is Bobby Finger, matriarchal boss bitch, co-host of the Who Weekly podcast, and author of the upcoming novel, The Old Place. Hello! Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm 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 happy to be the representative of the matriarch boss bitches uh, among all of you. I don't think any of you got matriarch boss bitch. Did you? Am I the only one? You are the only one. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, we can dip into that in a bit shortly. I think that the matriarchal boss bitch skewed too extroverted for me. Otherwise, I think, you know, I'm I'm probably like matriarchal boss bitch rising. Okay, that makes sense. So I'm I'm so thrilled to have Bobby as a guest here. And this is really like a full circle kind of moment for worst bestsellers because I started listening to Who Weekly at, at the urging of, you know, recurring worst bestsellers guest, friend of the podcast, Margaret Willison. And then I started watching Selling Sunset because of Bobby on Who Weekly. I'm because sorry. When I, no, <laughs> I'm I'm so glad to have it in my life. But I like when they first announced Selling Sunset, I was like, oh, I don't really care about real estate. So I don't think I'm going to watch this. Mm-hmm. And then I heard you talk about on Who Weekly. And I was like, well, that sounds interesting, actually. <laughs> it is interesting. <laughs> yes. And so meanwhile, Kate has not seen Selling Sunset. And so I, I think she has a question for you, Bobby. Okay, shoot. Who is this woman? Bobby, can you tell us who is this woman? Who is this? Wait, this woman as in Christine Quinn? <laughs> or, yeah, Kate wait. does not know who this woman is. Yeah. I, well, Christine, now I guess I read the whole book. Christine but... Quinn is Christine <laughs> Quinn is a former employee of the Oppenheim Real Estate Group. Or, well, she's a former member of the Selling Sunset cast. It just got announced that she's not going to be in the next season. But she is a <laughs> Actor turned real estate agent turned self help slash memoir author. And now she is, I think, going to. I mean, at this point, she can do whatever she wants because she's the queen of manifestation. But that's what she is. She became famous for being a <laughs> real estate agent for expensive, ugly houses in Los Angeles. And then she married an extremely rich man and um, thinks that she knows all the secrets to life. I think she does. I, th- I think that's <laughs> definitive. I think either she knows all the secrets to life or she's read every self-help book that we've read for this podcast and just regurgitated it into her own book. And she thinks they're the best bestsellers for sure. She thinks they're the best. <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, I do. Like we could have made a bingo card and just gone down the list. Like Christine Quinn has read The Secret. She has read The Five Love Languages. She has read mm-hmm. Rachel Hollis. Um, she, well, she, I don't even think she read RuPaul's book, but she knows RuPaul's quotes from TV. Uh, I feel like there's more. It's just like every chapter is like, oh, oh, yeah, you are just one of these. Yeah, you are just regurgitating um, all the other self-help books. I love when she mentioned studies, too. When she mentions (laughs) a study, I'm like, oh, wow. Which writer mentioned this study before her? Because I don't think she found it on her own. <laughs> yeah, like, this no. book has no footnotes. Yes, and no, <laughs> it is never specified. It's like studies at the University of California. And it's like, okay, what? That that <laughs> that means nothing. What you just said means nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, 
it was certainly a book that we read. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm, I'm so curious to know, Kate, after reading this, like, what is your perception of Christine Quinn? I mean, I'll say this. I put, looked up her Instagram after I finished reading it and I was like, yeah, that fits. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, it seemed like she got on the show that according to her, she is the only reason that it did very well, but also she is the only one who took it the appropriate amount of serious, which is not too serious, but serious enough to understand that it was an opportunity, but everyone else on the show hates her, mm-hmm. and then she married a rich guy, but not because he was rich, but because he fit the check list that she was manifesting for mm-hmm. her future mm-hmm. and she grew up poor but not that poor <laughs> i have some household. things to say about that by the way but i guess we can table it <laughs> but not that sh- it was it was very i swear to god she contradicted herself on every other page from from par- from sentence to sentence within a paragraph like, yeah, <laughs> she talked about being inspired by her sister to wear a black wedding dress, which she famously did. And you can see it on Selling Census. Mm-hmm. And then it's like one sentence about how great she, Christine, is. And then, I mean, who else could wear a black wedding dress? I mean, your sister. You said your sister like <laughs> two sentences ago, Christine. My favorite one, though, was when she starts off by saying, like, yeah, people will call you a bitch, but, like, you take it as a compliment because, like, da 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 and they don't know what they're talking about and misogyny or whatever. And it's not an insult. And then she turns around two sentences later and starts using it as an insult against people she doesn't like. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it, I, this, I, yeah. I was looking through the notes and I think something that was so, that felt so real and perceptive based from someone who hasn't watched the show is that she spends so much of this book saying that you need to like lift other women up, but on the show, she never, ever, ever does that ever, ever, ever. So it's just like, I I think that you're giving good advice, but you clearly don't practice what you preach. No. Yeah. There's definitely pieces. And I think we honestly say this about every self-help book that we read is like, there's some good pieces in here. In this case, I do think most of the pieces were directly stolen from those other books. We already. (laughs) (laughs) And okay. And it starts I was going to say we can go chapter by chapter through it and just kind of talk about impressions, I guess. But the the introduction recounts this <laughs> Vogue interview that she gave where she decided to finally reveal that she dropped out of high school. And it's so dramatic because she calls she says, like, I only have an eighth grade education. And then like later, <laughs> you're like, oh, she is like 90 percent through high school. Like she dropped out when she was like 18 and just like didn't quite get there. And like. It's it's fine if you do only have an eighth grade education. I mean, it's not ideal, but like whatever. But like, that's not Christine's case, and she just knew it sounded more dramatic to say that. No, and I okay. So here's the thing. I think I just want to get this over with now, so I don't just hold it in and let it explode later on. But Who Weekly did a live show last year, and something that I did at the live show. We never put it on the show. We only did it live. I did like a full deep dive, like into Christine Quinn's past. Like I tried to find out everything about her parents, everything about where she grew up, found all these articles from her hometown newspaper about her, like found the ancestry.com things about her parents. Her dad worked at an aerospace company in North Texas. They grew up in South Lake, Texas, which is a iconic 
suburb of Dallas, extremely rich, extremely white. If you MSNBC did a podcast about how kind of despicable and racist its school system is called South Lake. That's where she grew up in her hometown paper when she was in Shark Night 3D, which she talks about in the book. It refers to her so many times. It refers to her (laughs) as a Carroll High School graduate, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) and I just don't believe she struggled to the extent that she claims to have struggled. And I think the only reason she would, because she's so honest about about plenty of other things. And and I was trying to understand what would lead her to, I don't know, make these stories up. And I guess it just makes, it makes the rags to riches story a little more interesting. That's the only reason I can think of. Like she's so good at, or she thinks she's so good at, no, I guess she's arguably very good at it, creating this brand and identity for herself. So I'm just sort of like, well, if she treats the show as performance, why wouldn't she treat her memoir as performance? Because a lot of what she's saying about her biography doesn't add up when you look at like contemporaneous reporting from when she was that age. Anyway, uh, it but she does also in that story where she gets in Sharknate 3D, she mentions the secret and she mentions the vision board that she yes. kept in her childhood bedroom. So yes. that's all yes. I'll say about yes. that. <laughs> My gosh. By the way, I did I did go to the Who Weekly tour when it was in Boston and I did see that presentation, but I forgot about it until now. I can't believe oh, yeah. I, I already had this message. You know what? Christine <laughs> made me forget it with her powerful vision boarding. Of course she did. <laughs> of course she did. She's manifesting like mass delusions. <laughs> um, the other thing, the other thing, one of the other things. So right after talking about how she's a high school dropout, she <laughs> She says, Eleanor Roosevelt said, well-behaved women rarely make history. Which is so funny because A, that's Eleanor Roosevelt didn't say that. And then B, like that quote is always like misunderstood or misused because the historian who said it, which is Laurel Thatcher Ulrich and who I read as a history major in college, her thing wasn't to say like, so you shouldn't behave well so that you do make history. Her thing was like, actually we should look at the history of the well-behaved women and just like see what they were up to because <laughs> they were important too. And Christine was just like, no, <laughs> this that. works for my, how to be a boss bitch thesis. So I'm using it and I'm misattributing it. Oh. Yes. Okay. Well, cause she 1000% did not read it in a book. She read it on a t-shirt or a bumper sticker and yeah. Oh boy. Or yeah, a on her Pinterest and she, you know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <sighs> yeah it was i uh, <laughs> that's how i felt after finishing this book that's fair what is the first line of the book it begins with her like so i'm on a yacht <laughs> how does it begin um let, let me set the scene it's let- a gorgeous sun-soaked day on the adriatic <laughs> sea somewhere off the coast of croatia the temperature is a perfect 80-something degrees, and we're surrounded by glimmering water so stunning that Instagram filters wish they could do it justice. Hashtag Wanderlust. Yeah. Well, I think that that sort of, to me, when I finished it, first of all, I was relieved. I was like, finally, I can stop looking at this book. But the second thing I thought was, <laughs> I felt like it really wasn't about, it wasn't about a mindset or an attitude of being a boss bitch or whatever kind of boss bitch you are. It was, it was how to be rich. You know, it was like, this is how I got rich. And this is how it's been yeah. like so much of there's a section of the book that's just about budgeting. <laughs> I was like, yeah. it was basically how to balance your checkbook, essentially. It was like make an Excel spreadsheet of all of your expenses. And it's like, 
I guess this is good advice, but what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The bit where she's like, yeah, and every paycheck, no matter what, set aside 20%. I'm like, that's, I have, I have to pay rent and shit. If I set aside 20%, I have no money left. I'm well, sorry. Well, I'm maybe you might get into luxury real estate. Okay. Ever thought of that? <laughs> <laughs> have you thought about telling people you went to Juilliard? <laughs> By the way, here's something that was very funny to me. So she she talks about later how she like lied on her resume and made stuff up so she could get a job. And mm-hmm. she decided like, if I'm going to lie, might as well be a big lie. And I'll just say I went to Juilliard. And when you Google Christine in the little like info box, it does say <laughs> education, the Juilliard school. Yeah. She scanned Google. <laughs> I think I realized what happened there because it used to be on her LinkedIn, but then she got rid of her LinkedIn when she got famous and Google had already scrubbed it. And it was like, well, we have no replacement. So, le-. And also it said on her LinkedIn, she attended Juilliard and the School of Hard Knocks. Uh, <laughs> so. Oh my God. Obsessed. <laughs> this woman is certainly something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's, she's a boss bitch. Apparently. Oh, yeah, it just and I think that that's sort of like, you know, that making it up and going with it and that like I saw it on a bumper sticker. So it has to be true kind of mentality throughout this is what Mm -hmm. really like even the concepts that she is just regurgitating from other sources. It's so like weirdly watered down and convoluted that Mm -hmm. it's not like there there is you were like right on the like there is no coherent thesis of this is a self-help book it is really just like her saying like here's a whole bunch of different things in my life that may or may not have made me famous or maybe i'm just using them as an excuse to talk about how famous i am (laughs) Mm -hmm. and all the cool things that have happened to me she even sort of loses steam on the first few chapters or like maybe the first 20 percent of the book there's a lot of like overuse of the word bitch where it's like and a bitch does this and a bitch does that and I'm a bitch and you're a bitch and here's why being a bitch rules and I'm never going to take being a bitch as a insult it's always a compliment and she kind of loses steam or that idea loses steam like she doesn't even keep that sort of infuriating but at least like uh, there's an idea behind it there's a concept behind it she loses that style and that bitchy thread by the middle of the book she stops overdoing it and it's kind of like well that was at least something that was at least christine and you're not even doing it anymore you know and and i thought that was surprising and this book is written by christine quinn with rachel holtzman and i wonder if what happened was like christine you know talked into a tape recorder for a while and gave it to rachel and then halfway through (laughs) rachel was like wait uh okay well i guess i'll just put some like rachel hollis stuff in the middle or whatever <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh let's talk about the s p 500 or something it's like yeah. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> like i don't know what the s p 500 but it is but it feels weird to hear what it is from christine <laughs> yeah uh i will say this though i will say this even though all of her thoughts are regurgitated at least they're regurgitated in an interesting way it could be worse she could be dave hollis literally copying his wife's book oh for sure they Ugh. broke up right yeah Did they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay yeah, yeah sorry that's not yeah, important they... i was just wondering oh it's it's very important they, <laughs> they broke up and then he started dating this fitness influencer and mm-hmm. then he maybe broke up with the fitness influencer and went to rehab it's 
we know a lot about the Hollises, and it's <laughs> it's not good for me. It's not. It wasn't a, a choice. It's our. <laughs> It's our sentence, I guess, for making yeah. for making a choice eight years ago to do this podcast. Yeah, I mean, Bobby, I'm sure you you can relate. Uh huh. Uh huh. Did you? I I actually just went to this now. I should have looked up who her co writer was before, and I I didn't. But I went to the Instagram of the co writer Rachel Haltzman, and she's quite prolific, and she's written a lot of celebrity or co written a lot of celebrity books. But most of them are celebrity cookbooks. And I'm just like, that's really, that's really interesting. She's, I guess, writing a lot of the essays in like Tiffany Amber Thiessen's book, Kate Hudson's entertaining book, you know, like Shaq's book. There's a lot of celebrity cookbook stuff in here. And then how to be a boss bitch. She can really do it all. I wonder what kind of boss bitch that makes her. Maybe creative or entrepreneurial. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's get into it. Chapter two is called the five boss bitch languages. Mm -hmm. And in, rather than love languages, there's five kinds of boss bitch that you could be, which are executive, creative, <laughs> matriarch, diva, and undercover. And there is a little quiz that you can take, and it's not a very good quiz, I don't think, to, to surprise of no one. Mm-hmm. Christine is a diva boss bitch, obviously. Yeah. Kate and I are, are twinsies and both came up as creative boss bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, creative boss bitch yeah let me okay so i'm gonna read the results for that just to go on the record you're a creative boss bitch you have flair you have style and your creativity knows no bounds maybe you're an artist a writer a musician a chef a stylist or a designer maybe you're just a genius at putting together an outfit or you always know what colors work best together in ways other people never consider What makes you a creative boss bitch instead of just a creative is that you are at or well on your way to being at the top of your game. You never let anyone tell you that creativity isn't practical or important because Mm -hmm. you know it is. And it's exactly what has gotten you to where you are today. Your job might be about creating, whether it's oil paintings or advertising campaigns, or maybe it's what makes you stand out in your usually non-creative profession. It's amazing what can happen when a CFO, a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, a hospital administrator, or a sales associate applies creativity to the job. Some creative boss bitches are introverts, and that's perfect. You need that alone time to let your creativity ripen and flow before you burst onto the scene with guns blazing. Others are natural front women for any business and can convince anybody of anything through their creative approaches to any problem. Whatever your personality, a creative boss bitch knows that beauty is truth and that creation in any form is a woman's birthright. That's the secret to her success. Okay. Do you want me to read Matriarch Boss Bitch? Yeah, please. Because the way this worked is it was like, mostly A's, you're this. Mostly B's, you're this. Mostly C's, you're this. I was like, I wasn't all C's. I didn't even count. I was just like, I think I got mostly C's. I was a lot of B's too, but I'm pretty sure it was the majority C's. Anyway, it made me a Matriarch Boss Bitch. (laughs) And it reads, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. You're the head of the, speaking of things that are on like koozies, you're the head of the household, the decider, the primary parent, and you run your family like presidents run a country. Good ones anyway. 
Your purse is stocked with essential items with the precision that puts Navy SEALs to shame. You see all scenarios and can calculate the probability of all possible disasters. Kids love you, men respect you, other women want to be you, and everybody knows not to cross you. See, like, what? Mothering, this is not me. <laughs> mothering comes Mothering <laughs> comes naturally, but so does leadership. Nobody tells a matriarch boss bitch what to do because she already knows what to do. You have a fierce, dominant, mother bear protective instinct. What are you talking about? And you've been known to show up in the principal's office to right or wrong done to any child, even if it's not your own. You take your responsibility as a role model seriously so that your girls will grow up to be strong and competent. And your boys will never take advantage of a woman or see them as possessions to control. You practice what you preach. You are wise. And you make everyone around you feel safe, protected, and loved. <laughs> that uh, was my runner-up one. Yeah, mine too, actually. I don't think that any of these... It's its like when you do horoscopes or something and they're written so that you can read any of the horoscopes for the day. Like I'm talking like old school newspaper horoscopes where it's just like, here's oh, yeah. the Taurus, here's the Aquarius, whatever. And they all contain like a nugget of wisdom or like a lot of universal stuff. She didn't even write that in that style where it's like, I can't really get anything from any of these things, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, because here's the thing. There needs to be like mostly Fs. You're not a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> mostly Fs. You're from the Midwest. You're Chriselle. Move on. <laughs> yes. It's. It reminded me, too, that, like, this book is so weirdly gendered. And I know yes. all the self-help books we read are yeah. so weirdly gendered. But they're so, like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. This was certainly a book written by a cisgender heterosexual woman who, I guess, doesn't have a lot of experience outside of that lane. <laughs> you know, and, like, how is it possible that this is, like less progressive than the actual five love languages which was written in like 1992 <laughs> by a homophobic pastor <laughs> listen oh Renata, he's not homophobic anymore he deleted the bad homophobia off his website and replaced it with low-key more acceptable homophobia so it's fine now yeah it is fine now just the the gender thing i was looking through my highlights this is a line that i highlighted and it is exactly what you're saying where there's a paragraph in later on in this chapter that's about building your style or a series of paragraphs about building your style and when she's trying to describe different types of styles they're all the same type of extremely i don't know gendered woman where it, it says think about the people you know who have their own signature qualities aside from how they dress maybe it's the one friend who's got amazing cleavage or your coworker who has eyelashes so gorgeous that she looks like a walking latisse ad or that girl at the gym with beautiful thick wavy hair that rapunzel herself would envy it's like this is your variety these are the different types of women that you can encounter like either beautiful eyelashes beautiful hair or beautiful cleavage <laughs> it's just it's crazy yeah, Chris, you know Christine Quinn doesn't know ugly people. <laughs> the one moment where she seems to step out of that box is when she's talking about sugar daddies and she's like, or sugar mommy, women can be sugar daddies too. <laughs> and it's like the one time in the whole book where it's like, oh wait, maybe I'll talk about someone who's living outside my experience. Um, gay women who still want someone rich. rich to take care of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> What's interesting too is that like she's in a way she's like so aggressively straight that she seems kind of queer because she's like I love big beautiful boobs like I love women's mm. curves I love Marilyn Monroe I love like sexy woman with curves it's like for me as a straight woman I am not thinking about other breasts that much personally I mean I right. am as a lesbian so it does that does shake <laughs> out exactly but she's definitely like like she understands I think pretty acutely that gender is performance but she hasn't quite like circled the bases yet like she hasn't she hasn't (laughs) finished she hasn't finished the thought (laughs) you know like like she knows she understands but she hasn't like you know extrapolated that she has an eighth grade education in gender (laughs) (laughs) but somehow somehow less transphobic than ani defranco can you believe it yeah I guess mostly just by not acknowledging trans people in any mm-hmm. concrete way. But again, better than yeah. Anita Franco. Yeah. You didn't go out of your way to be a dick about it. <laughs> I mean, this has veered us into chapter three, which is called It Costs a Lot to Look This Cheap, which is, of course, a Dolly Parton quote. Mm-hmm. Again, like she's pulling from the greats. Yes. Yes. Um, she got that one right, though. That is Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, <that's> true. <laughs> congrats. <laughs> This is the chapter where she says, according to studies at the University of California, 93% of our communication is nonverbal. I love that we all all took the same notes. It's so funny. Oh, my God. That was one of my top five biggest laughs because I did laugh out loud at this book a couple of times, and I really laughed out loud at that. Multiple studies. And also this line which I didn't highlight, but I did notice that she never came back to it. Recently, my husband and I were on the run from the German police. Long story. Yes. <laughs> never yeah. finishes the story, ever. <laughs> One of my other favorite parts from this chapter is, I have a really great group of confident women who are my friends, mm. including total rock stars I admire, like Khloe Kardashian, Mindy <laughs> Kaling, Lisa Rinney, and Lily Galachi. We support one another both in real life and online, writing positive comments on each other's photos. <laughs> she must be so lonely. Yeah. I think so. I think I she is. I do apologize for never writing positive comments on your photos, Renata. <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's because my boobs aren't as big as Christine Quinn's. Sorry. Yeah. Like, and by the way, that that's where i'm ending the quote but that is also the end of her thought she's not like and we like go to each other's parties or whatever it's just we write positive (laughs) comments on each other's photos and that is end of what friendship means to christine yeah and she's like it ends with her being like and in summation you should compliment women and it's like okay it's like pick a woman it's literally like pick a woman and then compliment her (laughs) (laughs) okay thanks there's an exercise For a dollar, compliment a woman. Yeah, I mean, that's a better <laughs> exercise than figuring out what kind of boss bitch you are, at least. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, this is another one of those things where I'm like, you know, that's pretty good advice. Like, people like to receive a compliment. Yeah. Sure. And I did, like, generally, as as a person who does think a lot about, like, my own personal style, like, I felt like some of the stuff she said about, like, really owning, like, finding the way you like to dress and really, mm-hmm. like, embracing it and doing something that makes you feel good even if you think that it's not what's expected of you I was like yeah like that I was a very I took a very similar path when I went from being like well I have always dressed this way so I have to keep dressing this way to being like you know what no like maybe I can wear cute clothes sometimes and now I'm insufferable 
(laughs) (laughs) I think a better thought exercise than determining what kind of boss bitch we are is, so Christine Quinn says her personal style is dominatrix Barbie, which is stunningly accurate. Mm -hmm. Kate, you are cottage core Morticia Adams. Correct. I've thought about it. I think for me, I'm more of like a Maxinista Ms. Frizzle. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Thank you. Bobby, I'm starting to put you on the spot. This is sort of um, impromptu. Well, how, what's your style inspo? Um, okay, it's gay millennial Mr. Rogers. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> how about that? Very good. <laughs> okay. I love that. Picture clear. <laughs> Yeah, so good good for us. We've done the work. We've identified we our it. styles. I mean, I should say, shout out to Corey. I did not come up with that myself. It was just something that friend of the show, Corey, said to me once. And I was like, oh, this is my whole identity now. Thank you. Yeah, it's very good. It was a very good observation. Yes. Yeah, okay. So then chapter four is called Work Bitch. And this is this is where she reveals her like her scams of lying about her resume to get jobs. And she talks a lot about how it was hard for her to be respected because she's too beautiful, which is like such a wild mm-hmm. humble brag, especially because it was like, I couldn't be respected as a model or an actress. Like they wouldn't hire me because I was too beautiful. I was like, is that why? Is that why? What does Christian say to her on one of their first dates or their first date where he says something like, everyone in LA uh, looks the same and everyone's pretty and everyone, you know, has the same body and hair, but you're more than that. And she's like, oh, so true. (laughs) So true. (laughs) He's so smart. He's so perceptive. (laughs) Here's a quote I'm going to read because we do talk about the Marvel Universe a lot and this made me laugh. Get all Marvel with that shit. Think the Black Widow would tweak over not knowing how to load paper into the fucking copy machine? <laughs> then examine what makes that person tick. <laughs> I, By the way, I do not believe that Christine Quinn has seen a Black Widow movie. No. And, uh, and also, like, what makes the Black Widow tick is that she was, like, illegally experimented on as a child. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, to be fair, maybe also is what happened to Christine Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> to explain those lost high school years that she claims happened it's like where did she go from ages 14 to 18 yeah she was in the red room <laughs> and you know what and that does explain like her dominatrix barbie style like that you come out of the red room you do just like dominatrix barbie That's i feel like true. we cracked it I, yeah wow i hadn't thought That's about it. it that way but you're correct it's totally it <sighs> And I mean, again, I do think some of her stuff in here about like, you know, stop apologizing so much and fake it till you make it and act confident. Some of that's perfectly fine advice. Mm -hmm. She could present a lot of these thoughts and like messages in an Instagram carousel, (laughs) you know, like a very (laughs) well designed Instagram carousel. And I'd be like, okay, cool. If she broke this down into these nine I don't even think I don't even think these nine rules are good sorry I skipped ahead to chapter five but I'm sure she could I'm sure she could write six very powerful sentences (laughs) and put them into a carousel yes you know so often with the self-help books we read we do say like well it could have been boiled down to like a good pamphlet but that's even Mm -hmm. better this so that is correct this is one Instagram carousel worth of information not even 10 slides six (laughs) (laughs) you know that's it and the first slide could just be the the photo from the book cover, which if you're listening to the podcast, you are listening to the podcast. But, uh, <laughs> uh, 
look up the cover of this book because my friend Anna pointed this out because I hadn't really processed fully like what's happening in it. Like she's sitting at a desk like a teacher, but she's holding a pencil in a way that like no human holds a pencil. Like there's no way that she could write with it as she's holding it, but she's also not like pointing with it. She it's such a strange way to hold a pencil. And then in front of her is not a notebook. In front of her is some kind of coffee table book with nothing, no space to write on. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really very just glossy like, paper. Yeah, it's really just like, hey, look at my pencil. <laughs> All of I didn't notice this until you said that. I'm looking at the cover now, and it's like every single one of her fingers is doing something different. different yeah. <laughs> it's like none of them are participating in the same action. <laughs> No, this cover is wild. I had not looked at it before. This is frightening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so that would be the first Instagram slide. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the next chapter is called Mind Your Vagina, and it's her nine rules for dating, and they are contradictory and mostly bad rules. Yeah, they're bad rules. They're bad rules. This was, yeah, this was a bad chapter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it wasn't great. Although it did have maybe my one of my top 10 favorite dumb things in this book, which is we kind of skipped over a part in her childhood where she talks about how, and again, now who knows how much of this is true and how much of this is bullshit. But when she was in high school, she went to an alternative high school after dropping out of regular high school. And on her birthday, her 17th birthday, a friend of hers slipped her a little bit of pot into her purse. Someone else saw it. She got called into the principal's office and the principal could either give her detention or have her arrest it and had her arrest it. And her parents, to teach her a lesson, did not come and pick her up for three days. So she spent like three days in a holding cell with other people at the local jail until a friend's parent bailed her out. Which I am not arguing that having that, that that is a insane reaction to a child having a little bit of marijuana on them. But she then goes on to refer to this as her stint in jail, how her prison stint put her off drugs. And I just, my brain could not handle it. I had to read the sentence like three times. Like... I I don't, her stint in prison for three (laughs) days in the local jail in a holding cell. And that really taught her what's important in life. I just, I don't believe she was there for that long. Call it a a hunch. I I just think that so much of this is either exaggerated or completely untrue. And there's something about this that makes me, I, I, I see truth in it. I like I don't think that someone just dropped something in her purse like it was probably hers and she was probably in, got in trouble for it but I just think that this is one of those things that to create the the childhood story that makes her adult you know lifestyle that we have come to learn seem even more triumphant she has to have crazy parents like this you know like the strictest parents in the world and this is just like an easy way to like manipulate the story to make her seem like she had a a more strict household this this got excerpted in people before the book came out like it just seems like this really was designed to get people's attention and it just it's so wild to me because if you're (laughs) making something up why not make up something that makes more sense (laughs) it's a great question 
I want to talk about how of her nine rules, rule number four is never, ever have sex on the first date, which does not seem in line with Christine's stated values. But then rule number five is, but also there's no shame in one night stands. Like, literally, they are rule four and five. They're in order. And they're like Mm -hmm. two rules that contradict themselves. Yes. Well, it's like. If you think that the guy that you're dating is it's and I think it's this sounds like I'm, I don't know, minimizing what she's saying or something or pulling a Christine and exaggerating myself. But (laughs) it's sort of like if the guy is rich enough and could be your husband, don't sleep with them on the first night. But if, Mm -hmm. if he's not rich enough and he's just hot, feel free. You know, like it really has to do with like, is this the guy who you will support and will support you in marriage? You know, like it's so. And to go back to the gender thing, it's so traditionalist in that respect. Like, you have to find this guy who is rich, who is capable of taking care of you, even though you should make your own money too, you know? Yeah. Even though rule number seven is keep your own bank account, which is maybe (laughs) the only good rule. Yeah, this, again, it's like even more regressive than five love languages because, I mean, five love languages probably also doesn't want you to have sex on the first date, but at least it's not... (laughs) He never explicitly said that, and at least it's like, um, <laughs> this is like so old school of like, why is he going to buy the cow if he gets the milk for free? It's like, are you my grandma? Like, what's happening? Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no even like parenthetical about being single or choosing to be alone. It's just like, no, this is how to be a boss bitch is you get married, <laughs> by the way, and oh, you yeah. not only get married, you have a kid, you, you know, it's. Mm-hmm. Even even that is regressive. Yes, you get married to a rich person and no, you get married to a rich man. Let's be yes. clear here. You get married to a rich man and then you have a kid. But before you get married, like she's obsessed with this like old timey. If you play hard to get that makes men want you more and talks about it at like three different points in this chapter. And Again, maybe this is just because I'm gay and lesbians have enough problems making the first move, <laughs> but like that seems insane to me. You know, for the podcast, we haven't read the rules yet, but I think it's pretty clear that Christine Quinn has read the rules. And I think these are just like the, you know, the capital R rules, that other dating book, mm-hmm. just like rehashed. Oh, wild, wild. Heterosexuality is a wild drug. <laughs> Like, it's a curse, and we didn't ask for it, okay? Yeah. I will never go to jail for having a little bit of heterosexuality in my bag, ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's going to help you with Chapter 6, which is Get Rich AF. <laughs> You'll never have to get bailed out for that. This is the funniest chapter in the entire book. Yeah, this is the chapter where it's just like like Suze Orman popped in for a bit. To be like, oh, make sure to exactly. save 20% and put it in. Okay, when it this is a direct quote from Christine Quinn. When it comes to investing and setting money aside, there is a clear winner. U.S. public index funds. <laughs> I, I think of myself as a fairly educated human being. I'm not that smart. I don't pay that much attention to financial things, but this entire chapter just, I felt like Charlie Brown's teacher was talking the entire time. This was so Suze Orman that I typed it in Google to see if she had literally copied and pasted it from something else. (laughs) 
and it, because it's so the US S&P 500 has consistently returned an average of 9.7% annually. This is an average and therefore comes with rocky times along the way. It can and almost certainly will drop substantially for short periods along the way, but just as surely as it will drop, it will quickly rebound stronger than ever. And this goes on and on and on. And I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> So funny. What day is it? I don't. Where am I? Never pay retail. (laughs) (laughs) Something might be $75,000 in a store, but I got it for $25,000. Yeah, she got a real discount on their $25,000 watch that she manifested. (laughs) In perfect condition. The one that really got me also is that she just casually was like, we'll work with your financial advisor. Like, ma'am, if I had a financial advisor, I wouldn't I wouldn't need financial advice from Christine Quinn. Walk into your financial advisor. Well, I read the self-help book over the weekend from this reality TV show star. And I just need you to help me put enough in my acorn so that I can afford a $75,000 watch. Is that what's that? She says. There was a line in this chapter, though, that was a good, like, it's not advice I would ever follow, but at least it felt unique and very Christine-y. And it was when she talks about sugar daddies and she goes, spend his money, but make your own. I highlighted that because I was like, that's a, I've never heard that. That's a funny, like, kind of pithy little phrase that you could put on a, you know, bumper sticker or like (laughs) in your Instagram carousel. This is, this, this is funny (laughs) to me. Like, this is like this is cuckoo bananas but it's also like entertaining this is christine quinn it's not her talking about the s&p yeah oh boy also the i guess the rich live different lives but the amount that she just flaunts like breaking the law (laughs) just like I just don't know. I just don't know that I would admit in a book that I put out. Oh, yeah. Like in the first season of our show, I would go and buy expensive dresses all the time, wear them once for the show and then take them back. It's my (laughs) hack. My life hack for having a cool wardrobe is buy a dress, wear it out on your television show and then return it to the store. Mm -hmm. I mean, the statute of limitations is up on that one. For sure. For sure. Okay, so then chapter seven is Manifest Your Destiny, which, first of all, I don't think Christine Quinn knows what Manifest Destiny is because oh. I, <laughs> I don't think I don't think she'd so make right. this like Oregon Trail-esque pun about the secret if she did know, but here we are. She also casually says that she's a bruja, and I don't think so. I also don't think no. that's... No, Christine. And again, this is another one of the movies that she references. It's like, I don't believe the Black Widow, like the two of you said, but I do believe that she is obsessed with Sarah Jessica Parker and Hocus Pocus, (laughs) you know? Yes, that one tracks for sure. Yes. Yeah, so this this chapter is literally just the secret, and she does shout out like that even way before Rhonda Byrne unleashed the secret, she was manifesting. And that's fine, because what Rhonda Byrne says is that people have been doing the secret for thousands of years, <laughs> and everyone, you know, Abraham Lincoln knew the secret, and everyone knew the secret, it's just that she's the most recent person to write it down. So that's not contradictory with the secret. <laughs> I've never read The Secret, but does Rhonda Byrne suggest journaling and then writing truths, but also lies? Like you're kind of in like a really wonky version of a Gone Girl. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I think is so wild about Christine's journal. So Christine says that in order to like manifest, she writes a journal of like mixes and things that actually happened today, but then writes 
in past tense about things that she wants to happen. Like, <laughs> oh, and then I got a call from Vogue that my um, my cover shoot would be next week or whatever. And then she did get a Vogue cover shoot. But at the time she wrote it down, it hadn't happened yet. Like the secret definitely does do vision board and it definitely is like write down your goals, but it, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't have you do a gone girl journal because yeah. that is so wild. I just kept thinking about like an instance where uh, like I went to a true crime space where I was like, what if something happened in her life where detectives <laughs> found her journal and started reading it and they they would be so confused because it's like <laughs> some of this is tracking, but a lot of this is so weird what's happening here like it would mess with their heads if they read christine quinn's journal i was thinking the exact same thing (laughs) that something's gonna happen someday and her journal is gonna be need needed as either like a police record or a court record and it's gonna be filled with all of these weird little lies and (laughs) it's gonna ruin everything for someone maybe her maybe a killer will go free yeah it's that's kind of always the the <laughs> road my brain turns down but that yeah that's the worst the seller's energy is like i make kate read these celebrity books and she's like who is this woman and then she <laughs> makes me read like true crime or murder mysteries i'm like kate why do bad things happen <laughs> help or what if noted feminist historian laurel thatcher ulrich tried to read her journal mm. as a historical document it would perhaps ruin her next thesis statement <laughs> Oh my goodness. There was a line in here that um in my that I highlighted just because and it was another thing that made me laugh and it's part of her vision board uh step-by-step process and it just says I use a trifold poster board and label each section with an upcoming month parentheses June, July, August for example. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny. (laughs) I was genuinely like, it made me laugh so hard when it got to the part. So, Bobby, if you were unaware, in The Secret, the check from the Bank of the Universe is a big thing that is, like, printed in the book itself. Mm -hmm. And the idea is you, like, put whatever in your check and you actually cut it out and you hang it up and you look at it to manifest it into (laughs) your life. Yeah. It's a check to you from the bank of the universe. Oh yes. Okay, I was wondering, because I saw this in the doc that you made, and I wasn't quite sure what the origin story was. Yeah, um, but Christine does this herself. Like when she literally did it with the check, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, she didn't talk about how the universe doesn't know the word no, though, which I do think is an important part of the secret that she left I know. out. That is a major mm-hmm. part of the secret that she doesn't know. It seems like it's been working okay for her, though. She also, according to research conducted by Dr. Carol Dweck, who wrote that book, Mindset, that Rachel Hollis loves. But I, again, Christine, you're just citing general research conducted by, like, you didn't, (laughs) she doesn't even mention the name of the book. I just know it because of Rachel Hollis and the choices I've made. Uh, (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then she talks about her gratitude practice where she, like, thinks of things to be thankful for and her example is when she's like trying to be patient with her selling sunset co-stars it's not her fault she's divorced and has a rolodex of failures when i have all these things to be grateful for i'm grateful for my husband i'm grateful for my baby i'm grateful i get to go home to them 
Like that it's so shady for a gratitude yes. journal. She has yes. such a talent in this book of making everything about anyone else actually about her. Like when she talks about lifting other women up, she compliments all these women in her life, but like turns it into like, thank you for telling me like how beautiful I am and like how <laughs> stylish I am and how like you always knew I was going to be successful and how you're so grateful for my friendship. Like every single thing that she says about any other human is actually about how she is so great and so cool. Like Renata referenced earlier talking about like when she was younger and trying to get these like modeling and acting gigs and everyone be like, oh, like, well, we just can't hire you because you're too beautiful. Like (laughs) everything is about how she is so great. Even the things against her, even the things about other people are all because she's too perfect. And I do think Rolodex of Failures is such a good concept. It's like the sequel to Binders Full of Women. It's really The Rolodex of Failures. That bleeds into Chapter 8, The Shame Sham, which is about building other women up and calling out the haters. Writing yourself love notes. She didn't really go into the particulars of writing yourself love notes. Like she talked about like buying poster board for the other stuff, but here I couldn't really tell if they were literal notes or if they were in your notes app or if they were text messages to yourself. Like I kind of wanted to know how she does that, you know, because she was giving us so many weird, like superfluous details before, but none here. She probably pays a professional calligrapher to inscribe (laughs) them. Oh, your calligrapher. After getting off the phone with your yeah. financial advisor. <laughs> yeah, well, check with your financial advisor to see what your calligraphy budget for the month is. <laughs> and then put in your love notes order mm-hmm. for the month. Well, then you have to call your stationary consultant because you want to see what weight paper you can afford in June, July, or August, you know? Yeah. By the way, I've never actually seen all of American Psycho, but when Christine talks about her business cards, it is extremely American Psycho. I <laughs> yes. <know that>. Yes. <laughs> I will say, so the next chapter is about her pregnancy and her being uh, a mom. The next chapter is entitled MILF Money, and you it, gotta say you gotta is, say MILF Money. It is mm-hmm. called MILF Money. I will say I did feel a lot of sympathy for the circumstances around her birth. I've got a few friends who also like have talked about having this like image of what their birthing experience was going to be like and then having that image robbed from them for various reasons and not, mm-hmm. you know, having a natural birth and the pressure put on women to have like this beautiful natural birth experience where you're like really bonding with your child and, you know, dealing with all of that on top of postpartum depression, on top of what sounds like kind of bitchy producers who are forcing her to go back to work a week after a major surgery. Mm-hmm. Like I did have a lot of sympathy in my heart for her having to deal with all of this, especially in 2020, the worst year ever. But yeah, she's still like very unhinged. <laughs> I had never considered because I'd heard, I mean, I follow this woman. So I knew about the pregnancy rumors. And I knew that when the latest season of Selling Sunset came out, people were scrutinizing, you know, what came before and after the birth? How did she look before and after the birth? And it wasn't until reading this chapter that I understood her perspective of being like, the producers did this to me maliciously. Like, they did this to me because they didn't like me. They It's because of the, the way it was edited that I was seen as someone to be doubted. And I was like, oh, I didn't even 
to her, if you're telling the truth, of course you would see the editors and the producers as villains. And I was like, oh, duh, I've been watching reality TV for long enough. I should have picked up on this. Yeah, because in the show, it definitely, like, she is on there sort of, like, bragging about how, like, quickly she bounced back from having a baby and, like, mm-hmm. how, like, you know, skinny and hot and big boob she is once again. You never know she just had a baby, which, you know, is, is of course, the boss bitch she would like to present to the world. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know how much sympathy to have for Christine because even in this book, she contradicts herself and she is you know, someone who will say the most dramatic thing, but for sure there were some actually shitty things that have happened yeah. to her while making this show. Yeah. And just like the stories themselves, even if you don't believe her, <laughs> even if you've read this and thought <laughs> that every single thing in it was a lie, it was hard not to read that chapter and be like, okay, this is like harrowing and sad. And like, I feel empathy for this person, even if this person doesn't exist, <laughs> you, you know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's rough out there, man. The patriarchy sucks. Who knew? Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Who knew? Is the word patriarchy in this book? I don't think so. Oh, God, no. no. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Let me do a quick Hoopla search in the ebook just to see. No results found for patriarchy. No results. Okay. That tracks. <laughs> yeah. But Sharpie is in there about four or five times, the oh word Sharpie. <laughs> yeah. And I, so this, the epilogue of this book. <laughs> Not to violently shift gears away from, yes, I have a lot of empathy for this woman, but the epilogue <laughs> of this book, I know I've said the word unhinged about 5,000 times already, but I, having being a person who has never watched this show, who was unaware of this woman's existence prior to, you know, three days ago when I started reading it, it, like, on a dime, this turns from, like, yeah, like, this show is great, and, like, yeah, of course, like, I, you know, it's it's propelled me into the spotlight, and, like, you know, I'm playing a character, and da-da-da-da-da, into, like, uh, this show ruined my life, it ruined my reputation, everyone on it is terrible, and they're all mean to me, and I hate everything. Like, it is wild. This epilogue yeah. is wild. Yeah, it's, it's, it's angry. <laughs> And then it, but then she throws in the the stuff about her pregnancy too, where she's like, "This is icing on the cake," and it's like, everyone sucks, everyone's awful to me. The show is terrible, and I almost died when I gave birth. And then you're like, "Oh my god!" So then it makes you, and then it makes you feel a little bit of empathy again. But then she ends with this weird fixation on. I think this is like a problem or like just like endemic of Netflix stars. They're so. I would love to know what kinds of information they get about viewing numbers from people because when people who are in netflix shows and movies talk about their audience they talk about it like it's the biggest thing in the world like this isn't just christine being like i'm on a huge netflix series everyone watches my netflix series this is like netflix stars in general and i just think that's such a weird and like very specific trait of really kind of megalomaniac netflix people (laughs) (laughs) or of boss bitches Boss bitches, yes. The Netflix <laughs> yeah. star, boss bitch of Netflix, yes. <laughs> Who would win in a fight, boss bitch or boss baby? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a really hard question. Oh, I don't know. I think, but, oh, who do you think? I think it might be boss bitch. 
I mean, I think really we need to consult Lindsay. Uh, <laughs> yes. I think she'd be the, the real expert on that. But I mean, the, here's the thing. The boss bitch is so much taller. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a major advantage. Yeah, the boss the bitch has very dangerous like heels on and stilettos that you could really like, you know, you could cause some problems with those shoes. Yeah. The other thing that like really surprised me about the ending of the book is that there's no acknowledgments of any sort. And normally when I read a celebrity memoir, I love to read the acknowledgments. They're usually like, oh, and like, thanks to Oprah, whose house I wrote this book at or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and Christina's like, no, I have nothing to acknowledge. Or even like, thanks to my ghostwriter, nothing. Mm-hmm. There is literally nothing. It just ends. And then it's a copyright page. And then it ends. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I brought out the Chriselle Staus book, another selling sunset person who released mm-hmm. a book in the past year. And it also tries to do the self-help thing. I don't have to spend any time talking about it, but she has an acknowledgments section that's short, but it's there. And most of it is is spent on thanking her co-writer. But it's such a funny acknowledgement section because she makes it very clear that the book wasn't her idea like she overshares she's like oh thanks for them for having the idea and this person for making it a reality it's like i like how transparent she is about it and i was really hoping for something like that from christine but you know why would she why would she have an acknowledgement section if like she manifested it you know like right who would she acknowledge beyond the universe you know such a good point (laughs) there's also no dedication Oh, true. Yeah. Which is, I just went back to the front shack. Oh, now that feels sad. Yeah. Yeah. If nothing else, like her husband or her baby. Her baby. Yeah. Oh. Well, she won't apologize for it. So. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which I guess is a great way to transition into our dramatic readings. I'm going to read a subsection called Bitch, Stop Apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, Stop Apologizing. There's this amazing movie called A Simple Favor. Seriously, so good. And it stars Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick. Blake plays this badass bee who is also a total fucking sociopath. She meets Anna's character through their kids' school, and Anna's this goofy girl next door who's always stumbling and fumbling and apologizing. Finally, Blake goes, never say sorry. It's a fucked up female habit. Goddamn right. Why do we women always apologize, especially at work? If you pay attention, you'll notice that almost every woman around you has a habit of saying sorry a lot. It's almost like it's own punctuation or saying an empty word that gets tossed mindlessly into the conversation for decoration. True. And then I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit because I love this. Before I began working with the Oppenheim Group, I was interested in commercial real estate. First of all, were you? No one's interested in that. (laughs) During one interview, I felt like my potential employer was not only surprised, but also intimidated by the way I was speaking. It was almost unfathomable to this egotistical, over-tanned, dried-up raisin of an executive that a 20-something-year-old woman was asking and answering all the right questions. And doing so on the same level as his centrum silver-popping golf buddies discussing business at their local country club. After all, women my age were usually only on the golf course to serve those men their Arnold Palmers or as arm candy with their asses hanging out of their golf skirts. Which isn't a look I'm totally down on, but no need to get distracted from the point. (laughs) 
just like that in a nutshell is like let me get distracted to like sort of shame other women for having a job i once had but also parenthetically <laughs> say that i'm not shaming them even though i am totally and also them. my main problem is that i'm too beautiful <laughs> chef's kiss <laughs> I'm reading a little bit from chapter seven, Manifest Your Destiny. Uh, in one of the many moments when uh, Christine invokes some classic worst bestsellers fair. Way before Rhonda Byrne unleashed the secret, I was realizing my own magic and attracting things into my own life. It made me realize that if you think it and believe it, it will come to you, a.k.a manifesting. You may think this is all a little too woo, but I eat that shit up like the lobster and caviar I always used to order on every first date. Because it (laughs) fucking works. That yacht I introduced you to in the first chapter, that image had prime real estate on my vision board the year before. My Vogue cover, same thing. Not to mention fabulous trips I've taken to places like Indonesia, Bora Bora, and Fiji regular jaunts on a private jet and a fairy tale wedding to an incredible man. And then I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. There are a number of exercises I love as part of my manifestation practice, journaling, vision boarding, visualization, giving gratitude and taking action. And we'll break down what each of them is and what they entail in a minute. But first you have to learn the basics behind manifesting. You have to understand deeply and without hesitation, what makes the magic work. Like I said before, now is not the time for limited thinking and doubt. I guess that is kind of the universe doesn't understand now. That will only bring you more of the same in your life. This is the final step before we dive in and summon all the riches you deserve. So make your choice. Are you in or are you out? Rhonda Byrne and Heidi Klum all at once. (laughs) (laughs) I am reading, it's a step three from The Shame Sham. It's how to do better specifically as a woman it means like a woman who is friends with women who exists in a space with other women again like almost exclusively women who look just like her but um this is step three call out the haters i'll just read the whole step let's be real most shaming happens online the majority of internet trolls don't have the balls to take their criticism and contempt for other women from the keyboard to the real world it's easy to spew hate from the safety of your laptop it's a lot harder to do it face to face Lucky for you, calling out the woman shamers is also a lot easier to do online. If you're scrolling on your phone anyway, why not put that time to good use? When you see someone harassing another woman, call them out. You can do it on your in your own words or borrow mine. Jot this down or copy and paste it. Colon. Hey there, I see you took the time to share your thoughts about brackets enter a woman's name. <laughs> While I respect that you have an opinion... Have you stopped to consider that if you used your time in a positive way instead, that the world would be a nicer place to live in? And maybe people would be nicer to you in return, sending you love. See, you got to kill them with kindness. Or if it's a woman tearing another woman down, consider going with this. Hi, it's so great that we have this amazing platform where we can share our ideas. But what if women stopped acting like enemies and started behaving like we're all on the same team? What if instead of dragging each other down, we tried lifting each other up? Pass it on. 
I mean, what if we made this our pet project? We could completely change what it's like to share things online instead of instantly worrying about whether someone's going to come at us for every little thing, being too slutty, too strong, too loud, too outspoken, too strange. We could instead completely unleash knowing what we'd have that we'd have this incredible community there to support us, not to mention the fact that all these people who had essentially made a career out of tearing people down online, spending hours looking for the perfect mark, thinking of the perfect nasty comment, and being so proud of their sad little selves would now be totally out of business. Imagine what they could now do with all of that new newfound free time. This section just took me out because the problem with awful people on the internet is huge and it really does seem like she thinks she solved it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like she really thinks that this is the solution to hate online. <laughs> just like sending messages over DM. I, I feel like this is equivalent to Mariah Carey believing that Instagram could have saved Princess Diana's life. <laughs> <laughs> It's the, it's the same thing, yes. Exactly the same thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, well, now is the time when we move on to Reader's Advisory and suggest some books to read instead of or in addition to How to Be a Boss Bitch. I'm going to say this is not a recommend. I think if you like Christine Quinn, just watch her show. You're mm-hmm. not. There's not a lot here, really. But I do recommend okay. Selling Sunset. <laughs> yes, yes. And even I, you put Shark Knight 3D here. She's the <laughs> opening scene and her scene is like, it's a very long and violent death. <laughs> so, you know. I actually haven't seen Shark Knight 3D. I just put it on the list because she talked about it so much. I'm pretty sure I have, but I don't remember. I've seen so many movies where sharks eat blonde women. <laughs> I actually saw that in theaters and I had no idea that it was Christine Quinn at the time. So little did I know. How could I you? Was seeing, yeah. like, I was seeing a boss bitch right in front of me getting eaten by a shark. <laughs> Another book that might be a better um, actual self-help book. I haven't read it yet, but we just ordered it for my teen collection at work is How to Be a Difficult Bitch by Hallie Bondi, Mary Fernandez, Sharon Lynn Pruitt-Young, Zara Hannibal, and T.L. Luke which is a a much more diverse collection of bitches than Christine Quinn. And they have some probably more inclusive advice. Uh, I'll I'll go out on a limb and say that. Not hard. Probably a good guess. Yeah, Uh, I can't say. I feel like it's every time we do a self-help book, I'm like, I don't have anything to recommend because I don't read any self-help books except for this show. I am reading Dracula again. Dracula is a good book. It's a lot better than this one. I know I've said that a lot too, but... That's okay. It's evergreen, evergreen recommendation for Dracula. Yeah, sure. If you're gonna read a Selling Sunset book, if you're dying to, if you have to spend the money, or if you like, just have to like go to the library and pick one of them, I do recommend Chriselle's over this. It's like there's more memoir in it, and she's just she's not trying to do the things that Christine is trying to do here. It's just like really silly, and you'll be done in you know an hour and a half. But also don't read either of them. (laughs) So I I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah. Instead, this is not a genre match in any way. But instead, I think what you should read is The Old Place by Bobby Finger, which is coming out (laughs) uh, very soon. (laughs) Please. Yeah, I read an advanced copy. It's a really, I'm trying to think, it's not really a good comp for anything that we've read for the pot. Maybe the closest would be like a Jodi Pico style book, like Mm -hmm. that kind of quote unquote women's fiction. Mm -hmm. But more thoughtful and more queer and slightly less unhinged than a Jodi Pico. <laughs> it's just a, it's a book filled with matriarch boss bitches, you know? That's what and, it is. Yeah, it's, 
I well, I was literally just going to say, like, I think a fun mini game would be like, I feel like it used to be sort of in vogue for authors to say what Hogwarts house their characters were. And that's over. But I, I would love if you could speak on which kinds of boss bitch you think these characters are. Because, yeah, I mean, I think Marielle is obviously matriarch boss bitch mary alice is a matriarch boss bitch i think that maybe ellie is an undercover boss bitch yeah and i think maybe josie is a um i'm looking at all the other ones i think she might be a diva boss bitch i was gonna say i think yeah yeah, that seems right yeah diva or creative but yeah they're all boss bitches absolutely (laughs) that's a perfect tie-in Yes. And uh, and then Christine Quinn could come to town and flip the old place. <laughs> <laughs> the titular old place. <laughs> Sell it for $5,000. It would be very too Wong Fu if Christine Quinn showed up in the old place. You know? <laughs> uh, well, that'll be the sequel that you're right. The new place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, we'll have that list of books and maybe some other ones if we think of them, but... Honestly, probably we won't. This is a definitive list of what you should read instead of boss bits. Um, we'll have that up on our website, which is worstbestsellers.com. And now we will play our favorite game, which is called The Rock Paper Snicked. And the way this game works is that Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine from X-Men would be if he were in this book. And Bobby can choose which most enhances the book or he can use paper, which is to leave the book as is. Okay. Okay. Well, obviously, if Dwayne the Rock Johnson were in this book, he would be uh, putting a picture of Wolverine on his vision board. Yeah. And I would say if Wolverine were in this book, I think he would follow Christine's advice and marry a rich man such as the Rock. And he would spend the Rock's money, but make his own as an X-Man. <laughs> I- Oh my god. Uh I I think I agree with that. All right, so that is so you choose snicked. That is I I choose snicked. <laughs> I choose snicked yeah. for real. Yes. You know, and in this case they do really overlap. Mm. This game works better when we have narrative stories and we can introduce them as characters, but also I think it worked perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm literally just still laughing at the idea that the X-Men get paid money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they get room and board for sure. (laughs) He's a teacher. (laughs) Did he get a salary? We'll investigate this later. (laughs) Um, What do we think the moral of the story is, you guys? (laughs) My moral is obviously that the secret works. We know this. My, I think the moral of the story is this is what happens when you grow up in South Lake. <laughs> it's a very regional joke, but <laughs> that's my moral. Uh, and I think my moral of the story is, I don't know, I didn't prepare one. Uh, your mor- Is your moral just like boobs? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> boobs are beautiful. <laughs> I've had worse morals than boobs are beautiful. We'll just go with that. All right. Good game. Good game. Now it is time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte shares his opinions about the book. (coughs) 
Jordi, mm-hmm. I think you have like really identified one of the weakest parts of the book, which is you know <laughs> something left out, which is she doesn't mention at all the time that she said she needed a tiger for home protection and, <laughs> and uh, arranged like a photo shoot with a whole ass tiger at her house. And I I would love to know more about that. Yeah, frankly. and I do think oh, yeah. it is a a good point that you know it's not maybe shouldn't make the best choice in tying her brand to the idea of a bitch a female dog when she could have instead chosen some cat imagery such a good point and i think that he also made the good point that christine quinn said she's one of one in a book before beyonce said it on renaissance so you know (laughs) she predated beyonce yeah, Dorte loves Beyonce. Dorte knows that. <laughs> and finally, of course, Dorte, you are right that it is very cruel of Christine Quinn to wear fur. And I would never do that. But she does look really good in it. So I think that does count for something. <laughs> it's totally true. <sighs> All right. Well, Dorte, thanks as ever for your insights. And do any humans have any closing thoughts about how to be a boss bitch? Just that I continue to learn so much about people I've never heard of before by having to read books for this show. <laughs> I think You're it just welcome. made me more excited to watch the next season of Selling Sunset, even though she's not going to be in. I'm excited to see what the show is without her because this book made me realize that she kind of keeps it, she keeps it afloat. Yeah. Like, is it, I, I don't know, is Chelsea going to fill these shoes? I don't, I don't know. I think she thinks she is. I think she's, yeah. Chelsea is definitely. Chelsea read this memoir, you know, like Chelsea is taking <laughs> cues from Christine Quinn. So I think she she wants to fill the void. Yeah, she is taking notes about how to be a boss bitch. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you would like to come and talk to us as a podcast on social media and, you know, share which of the five kinds of boss bitch you are, we are on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Bestseller spelled normally. And we're on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S because um, you know, because the S had to go into boss. And like Christine is hogging all the S's, frankly. And so we don't have one there. We're available on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, all the places that you normally would find podcasts. And if you do subscribe to us on one of those platforms, we do ask that you take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. If you don't rate and review us, then maybe we'll just have to make you read this book. I think that would be punishment (laughs) enough. We also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like keep our website up and pay for new equipment and pay for artists to design new merch. Because guess what? We have merch available that you can find by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on the button that says merch, where you can find all sorts of designs from our podcast to wear on your body. And uh, finally, we do have a Discord server if you would like to talk to other fans of the show about really literally anything. Uh, (laughs) You can also find that linked at worstbestsellers.com. I should say also, we have consulted with our financial advisor and we do put 20% of our Patreon income into um, US bonds. Fuck, I already forgot what it is. Whatever the hell. So smart. It's so smart. Yeah, our financial advisor knows so I don't have to know this. Finally, me personally, I'm online at Renata Snacks. And you can find me personally on social media at 14 Across. 
And Bobby, where are you? I'm on social media as at Bobby Finger. Yeah. And your podcast is Who Weekly. Oh, and if yes. you are, like, obviously more people are listening to Who Weekly than Worst Best Sellers. So probably you're already listening to it. But <laughs> Go listen to maybe, Who Weekly. Yeah. Yeah. Go listen to it. You can learn about all the celebrities whose memoirs we're not reading because <laughs> exactly. a lot of them can't write and have her in a memoir (laughs) (laughs) and once again you should pre-order or request from your library the old place by bobby finger i i was so glad to get to read us i'm so thrilled to talk to you bobby uh just a a real delight all around yeah this was a lot of fun thanks for giving me an excuse to read this book also (laughs) (laughs) yes same (laughs) thank you for giving me an excuse to make kate read this book (laughs) sorry kate (laughs) That's okay. I'll make her read a murder book later. Yeah, (laughs) we are soon, but not yet. Thanks again, Bobby. This was really fun. And thanks everyone for listening. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks. And our next episode is actually our eighth anniversary episode. So instead of reading a book, we're doing a, a little something special. And you can hear what that is in two weeks. Bye. 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 I mean, counterpoint, if she, if she, um, oh, it lost me. I, my, I, I had a defense of Christine and now I don't.